Welcome to the Creative Financing Podcast, where you'll learn how to structure terms and use various creative financing strategies to create profitable deals for short and long-term wealth. Whether you're a buy and hold investor, wholesaler, or flipper, learning creative financing will help you do more deals and unlock profits that you may not even know existed. On the Creative Financing Podcast, we break down actual deals we and our guests are doing and simplify the methods and terms used to execute these strategies. Now, let's dive in and create some terms. Hello and welcome to the Creative Financing Podcast. I'm your host, Jonathan Gallegos, here with Jeff Rappaport. And today, guys, we're going to be talking about um, a deal that Jeff is currently flipping, actually. And uh, it's, it's pretty unique because um, it's a subject to deal, but it's using a a reverse mortgage or a reverse mortgage was uh, recorded on the property already. So um, kind of not your typical um, bank finance deal or, you know, subject to deal with bank financing, right? So it's a little unique in that aspect. So it's going to be interesting. Um, we did mention it before on a previous podcast, but we, we wanted to dive in and um, kind of go into detail on this deal because it is pretty unique and it's very creative. I think using a, a reverse, anytime a reverse mortgage is in place, um, most people will be like, Oh, you can't touch that because uh, there's such a time specific timeline that you have to do, you know, flip the house in or, you know, refinance or whatever you're doing. Right. So right. yeah, let's talk about that, Jeff. Um, yeah. First of all, tell us how you came across the deal. So we found it was a referral um, from uh, someone out of state uh, that generates leads online and generated a lead in Utah and they didn't deal with leads in Utah. So they just referred it to us. Um, It's a situation where the lady has lived there since the house was built. So it's about 19 years old, built in 2000. And uh, she needs to move to an assisted living facility. So we've been dealing with her niece and who has power of attorney and is making all the decisions on the property. And Mm -hmm. we gathered the information like we normally would and uh, found out that there was a reverse mortgage and they were asking how much were they asking? I think they were asking two hundred and twenty thousand, I believe, two twenty for the property. And uh, their reverse mortgage, the the mortgage that they currently owe right now, is about one hundred and seventy five, one hundred and seventy six thousand dollars. Okay. Okay. Uh, you want to talk? What? Why don't you talk, Jonathan, a little bit about what a reverse mortgage actually is? And you know. so, a reverse mortgage, as I understand it, and I'm definitely not an expert on the topic, but it's uh, it's kind of a loan program that um, senior citizens can get. And I think there is. I think you have to be what, 62 or 65. 62, qual- I think, to qualify uh, for a reverse mortgage. Um, and then there, there's also an equity requirement. I can't remember that. You have to I think have it's someone. at least eighty percent or twenty percent equity. So you have to have at least twenty percent. Yeah. So what the bank does is they'll come in um, and they'll um, either they can either. 
give you, they'll give uh, the owner, the homeowner, a, a chunk of money up front and then payments over time or just payments over time. But what they're doing is they're actually recording a new mortgage on the property. And what they're actually, they're deferring payments until after the person either passes away or um, they move out of the house. Once they pass away or move out of the house, the note is called due at that time. Um, and it's a, a really good program for um, seniors who need um, additional income, right? And uh, especially, you know, those who might own a, uh, their house free and clear or something like that. Um, it's a way for them to get an additional income, still live in the property, have no payments. Uh, the whole time that they're living in the property or they're alive, um, there is interest occurring on the loan. So uh, the bank will tack that interest onto um, the mortgage every single month. So the balance just kind of goes up where uh, that's why they call it a reverse mortgage because um, traditionally the balance, if you're making payments on an amortized loan, the balance will go down over time. But with a reverse mortgage, it's kind of the opposite of that. Uh, where the balance goes up over time because interest is uh, occurring on the loan. Um, and then, but the, the instrument they use to secure the loan is the same thing. It's just a trust deed or mortgage recorded on the property with a note attached. Yep. Uh, and that's a pretty good description. And I'm not an expert either. I don't know all the details of qualification or what the, the actual, uh, you know, what kind of equity you have to have. I believe it's 20% or more. Uh, and you're right, you can either, you can actually receive payments each month, but most of the people just take the, I'm not gonna have a house payment. And that interest is accruing. And then uh, if they move out uh, or they die, that now the house either has to be given back to the bank or the heirs can sell the property and pay off at whatever the uh, loan amount is at this current time. Correct. Okay. So what in the world would I want to get involved with a reverse mortgage if it's got all these rules and uh, yeah, they're going to call the loan due? Because you, you looked at the deal and you're like, this could be done fast. And if, if you know it's a deal that can be done fast, then it will make sense if you can buy it at the right price and there's still a spread there. That's right. So speed is, is crucial in this particular case. This isn't, you know, we're, we did not make any long-term financing. And when I say long-term, nothing really over six months. And right. uh, because the, the bank, even if they found out that the seller has moved out, and I've told the aunt this, uh, or not the aunt, the niece, uh, that if the bank was to contact or she wanted to contact the bank, she could say, hey, we've, we've moved my aunt out of the property and we are fixing it up and putting it up for sale. Uh, the bank will work with them to, to do so, that they're not you know, it's not like immediate and that, that's exactly what we're going to do. And yeah, we want it done as fast as possible. So yeah, and there's really no, we're not worried about any loan being called due. And even if they did call the loan due, they've got to wait a certain amount of time. And I don't know, again, know all the details of it. Um, and then they'd have to go through the actual foreclosure process, which is 
in Utah, a minimum of four months. And uh, so what we, we really have no risk here either way. Right. But yeah. I just told her that there's no problem because the bank will allow her as the heir to you know, fix up the property and try to sell it. That The bank is okay with the, the relatives getting equity out of the property. And in this case, they need that equity because it's going to help pay for the assisted living facility that the aunt is going to. Yeah. And it, it, guys out there, if you're out there looking at these, a deal like this, guys, um, just remember that I, I believe, I think, and again, we, we talked about this on a previous episode, but we think it's like six months uh, once that event occurs. So they move out or or they die. Um, I think they uh, the loan is due within six months of that time, but then they still have to foreclose. So they might even let it go into actual default, right? So if, if the loan's not due for six months, it's not actually in default until month seven, correct? Right. And then in depending on your state, they might have to have, I know in Utah, it's three months of default, um, before they can file an actual notice of default on the property. So the point I wanted to make is if you're looking at a deal like this and you think it might be real close because the property needs a lot more work on that six month line, just remember that there's you, there will be additional time in there. Yeah, but also know what your particular state laws are for foreclosure. Yeah. Because places in like Texas, uh, you know, foreclosure is more like 30-ish days rather than that's true yeah so you don't want to get pinched there but to be honest if you have the cooperation of the seller and they're willing to uh if need be talk to the bank and let them know what's going on the bank is not interested in in trying to steal this property back uh, but they have their rules, and the rules are that if no one's, if the person that got the reverse mortgage is no longer living in the property, then the property either needs to be sold, refinanced, or given back to the bank. And as long as you're working toward those ends, they're not going to create a, a an issue. Uh, maybe if you're taking forever, they might be, but. Uh, more often than not, the bank would actually work with you on this particular type of deal. Not with me. Uh, they won't. They wouldn't like knowing that I now own the property. And I, <laughs> that that would not be a good case scenario. But I'm not too worried about that. And uh, could I have done this as contract for deed and not shown up on title and uh, you know made it super clean? I could have, and I probably should have. But um, I wanted to use a particular title company and they don't normally use co contract for deed. So we just did it as subject two, which is, uh, you, you wanna explain real quickly subject two. I know we just did an episode on that, yeah. but just a refresher. Yep, so um, when you buy a property using bank financing, you get a loan on it. Um, there's, uh, so there's debt recorded against the property in the form of a mortgage or a trust deed. Um, and there's a note attached. When you buy a property subject to, you're buying it subject to the existing debt on the property. And the difference between a subject to and say a, a all-inclusive trust deed is there's no recourse for uh, the seller of the property. Um, so the seller, once that transaction is finalized, 
the seller has no recourse to take the property back. Whereas with a trust or all inclusive trust, <coughs> a wraparound mortgage, the seller has uh, recourse uh, to take the property back via foreclosure. Exactly. So it's basically just deeding me the property. Yes. Um, yeah, it's just signing and, over title. Yeah, and that, that there's nothing really else involved. Right. Correct. Um, okay. So let, let's, let's go through some details of why I kind of did this and what the goal is here. Uh, so this property is worth 280, 285. Okay. ARV. Okay. Um, they wanted 220. Are we in the property needs some work, but first of all, it's, it's 19 years old, so it doesn't need a lot of work. They've ripped out all the flooring throughout the entire house. I'm not sure why, maybe it was just bad, but uh, so all the flooring is already out. And mm -hmm. uh, the roof had a leak into the garage and there's some mold on one of the walls in the garage. Uh, so when I went and looked at the property, well, but before I even went and looked at it, I just assumed that, uh, we could probably repair this property for somewhere around 10 ish, $12 a square foot. Um, because I'm thinking some flooring paint and some minor roof repair, some sheetrock, right? Mm -hmm. Pretty minor. This property is 15, just under 1600 square feet, all one level. And, um, so I figured, hey, 20 grand is about the budget for rehab. Mm -hmm. And so the, let, let's just look at our numbers right now. If we think that the property is worth 285 and she wants 220, where would we need to be cash-wise? What would you need to buy it for? Yeah. Somewhere around 200, 205. So if we be. take 285, and this is you know my formula that I'm using right now, currently in Utah, I'm taking my ARV 285 times 0 0.80, yep, uh, which is 228 minus 20,000. That's 208. That's pretty much where the rehabber would want to be. Mm -hmm. um, but I'm a wholesaler most likely most of the time, and. I'd want to be less than that, right? Uh, yep. So, but we're we're still a ways away, and so I made, I think, two offers. Um, so what I offered, uh, I think my cash offer was like one ninety one, something like that, and my uh, and my. Uh, short-term financing offer was like 197 and what the short-term financing offer would be would be giving them all of their equity so taking the the balance of the reverse mortgage at time of closing which is right around 175 176 and giving them the difference between our purchase price and what they owe that would be the down payment and with a reverse mortgage, there are no payments. And so I put the term would be for six months and then we'd pay off the reverse mortgage, pretty simple. And so they came back and they said, well, we want 215 
and that's kind of the lowest that we would go. So 215 is still more than really what we'd even want the, the rehabber to be in. So uh, it wouldn't really, it would be super tight for a wholesale deal, right? Yeah, yeah. Um, and we haven't seen this property yet, so we weren't absolutely sure exactly how much work that it would really need either. Uh, but we agreed to 215 and uh, that we would give, I think it was going to be $40,000, something like that. 41 uh, was the down payment. Well, I decided that maybe this would be a better deal for us to rehab ourselves, just because it sounded like it's a pretty small rehab. It's a newer home. Um, it's not that big. And this is the kind of rehab that I like. Uh, so I actually went there and checked it out and I saw an issue with the roof and, uh, I knew that there was a leak in the roof, but, you know, think about this. The roof's only 19 years old. It really shouldn't be worn out, but it does happen. And, uh, but there was obviously some issue that water was, um, Getting into the garage. Uh, yeah, it, it was pooling in a certain area. It wasn't draining properly off the roof. So I, I, I asked a roofer to go out and take a look for me and said, sure enough, that they did a poor job, that there were a bunch of shingles missing and uh, that, that they didn't slope it correctly. And uh, that in his opinion, that he, that he probably needs an entirely new roof but it only has one layer of shingles, so you could go right over the top. You don't have to take them all off. Mm -hmm. And uh, I said, okay. So he gave me a bid of about $8,500, which is certainly on the higher side for this type of property. And so we went back to the seller, to the niece, and said, we have a concern that you know, the roof needs to be replaced it's going to cost $8,500 or more. And um, we're not comfortable at the 215. So we now made a new offer of 206. And she felt like we were, you know, we had done our due diligence, she understood and she was agreeable on that. And so we agreed to 206. Um, with again the balance of you know it's like thirty one thirty two thousand dollars down payment mm -hmm. and a six month term with no payments from our side, so we we are able to pay more when we don't have any hard money loan right that there's yeah. no yeah. there's no um, hard money uh, costs yeah there's no um, expense from our side on any kind of loan. Although that loan is growing you know, each month um, to some degree, right? So time is of the essence because we, we are having that loan accrue each month. Mm -hmm. So what I did is I, when I went up there, so now I believe that we could actually rehab the entire property uh, and make it super nice for like 20 grand. Um, we might not go that route. We might go a little less and stay around the 15,000, but 
we're, we're right at 20,000 is our budget. And mm -hmm. uh, what, what we're expecting to do is we're going to go rehab it. We're going to, and we'll have it done within two weeks and we'll have it back on the market um, beginning of December. And for 285, these properties sell pretty quick. There've been a number of them that have sold within three to five days, uh, anywhere from 275 to 285. And what we expect to make, so let's look at what the result would be. So we're in at 206. Mm -hmm. uh, we, we had to pay closing costs. Um, actually, I think we still split the closing costs. So our closing costs were cheap, like a thousand bucks maybe. Mm -hmm. um, so we're into it for 207 plus, let's say 20,000, 227. Mm -hmm. Okay, when we sell it, we'll sell it for hopefully 285, but we'll list it. And so we're gonna end up paying a commission. In our case, we'll pay 3% plus a transaction fee, just because our acquisition manager is an agent. So uh -huh. let's say 10,000. 275 um, plus some closing costs, let's say 2,500. 2725 is where we're at. And let's say that um, we have, oh, I don't know, 3,000 in accrued interest. Uh, time. Yeah. So. Okay. We're hoping to make about $42,000, on a you know quick flip and uh, a very easy rehab. Yeah. Uh, and the reason that we did that is because it didn't really fit the model that we normally do. We couldn't get it cheap enough to wholesale. And it had that reverse mortgage. Um, now let's talk about where the down payments coming from and where the rehab money's coming from. Because if you're going to do this deal, you had to come up with like 32,000 ish plus, plus maybe another 20. Yeah. So you, you got to have like 50 grand on hand to, to get this deal done. Um, so what I did is in our in numerous previous episodes, we have, we did a couple of substitution of collateral deals mm -hmm. where we have money sitting in escrow that we can use to buy real estate at, you know, the note amount that we already agreed to uh, when we bought their property, we cashed them out sooner than our note was due. And we worked out a deal where they would just leave that money in place and we'd continue to pay them so they get the benefit of all the interest over time. Right. So I just went to one of the, the people, one of the sellers and said, I'd love to use some of that money that we have sitting. I'm actually willing to pay you a little bit more interest that I will pay outside of uh, the, the money that we pay each month. We like to do that. We like to keep it very clean so any additional interest that we may pay him we like to pay him outside we don't want it to go back into escrow because it'll make it very difficult to figure out 
at the end what's actually owed, right? Mm -hmm. So he said, yeah, I normally get like 8%. We're paying him 2.5% right now on the current note. <clears throat> so I said, I'm happy to pay you 5.5%. I'd like to borrow $45,000 um, in second position on this property for a very short period of time. Here's how it will work. I will pay this, you know, you'll be secured on a note, that, you know, of about 176,000, you'll be owed 45 and the property's worth 285. Mm-hmm. So five and a half percent interest on 45,000 is, oh, for, I don't know, let's say for 12 months, it's 2475. So, for each month, it's 206. I really don't think I'll be in this more than 90 days. So I'll pay $618 or so in interest for that money. And now I don't have to come up with it. And I just borrowed it. And uh, I actually got money back when we closed on the deal. Does that sound all right? Yeah. Not too bad, right? Yeah, I love uh, that you were able to bring in that. Uh, money as well um, from your uh, from your other deal uh, because what do you have into it? Nothing. Nothing. Exactly. No, yeah. I try to do that. That that, that is <laughs> that is normally my goal. Especially it like five, always happen. Especially five and a half percent interest in a second position. That's, <sighs> that's way good. Like, well, what if what if I even had to pay him ten percent? Right. I mean, it's a small amount of money for a small amount of time. So forty five thousand would have been 4,500 for the year, right? Mm-hmm. Divided by 12. I mean, it's 375 a month. I mean, can you afford to pay you know, 1,200 bucks or so um, in interest? So that, yeah. you know, one of the things that I, 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 I hear this a lot, and you're a rehabber, Jonathan, and maybe you can shed some light. Investors typically, when when they start making a bunch of money and they've got money sitting in their bank account, that they'll tend to use that money on their rehabs, right? That either is the rehab amount or down payment amounts, or which I totally get. You know, makes that getting loans much easier, getting deals done quicker. But if you're doing two or three or four or five or what whatever it is, maybe even one, depending on your situation. Um, do you ever like put your money into deals and, uh, you know, all of a sudden the deal went on longer than it should have. It cost a little more than it should have. Yeah. And now all of a sudden it's like, um, you know, I, I don't have any liquidity yeah. and I really kind of need to sell these properties so I can get my money back out of it. Yes. Yeah. So I, I try to avoid that. Um, it's very familiar <laughs> to my situation right now. <laughs> so uh, one of the things that I always try to do is, you know, how can I figure out a way? And it, like I said, it doesn't always work. And sometimes it doesn't even make sense to make it work. But I'm happy to, you know, borrow the 45000 You know, and if I have to put in five grand, that's fine. It's not a big deal. Um, but... Hey, I, I already know that, hey, next month, I'm not going to have a cash crunch because my money's all tied up somewhere else. Uh, and I'm happy to pay someone. And 
the more I do this with this guy, don't you think the more trust that we build? And uh, yep, I'm hoping that at the end of our three-year term that he still wants to continue to be a private lender for us. And right. I, why wouldn't we'll give he? Give you more money. Exactly. So we might give you more money. Yeah, uh, I'm happy to give up. You know. Six hundred, eight hundred, a thousand, fifteen hundred dollars on a deal that you know, I'm hoping will make forty grand. Now, what what if I? But yep, we don't sell it for two eighty five. It yeah. only sells for two seventy five. All right, so we make thirty. Um, it's still a deal, and we've got enough cushion in it that uh, even if things went kind of bad. Uh, I, I don't see how we would lose money. Um, it's just a matter of how much we make. And it's going to be more than our typical wholesale fee. And uh, it's not going to require a whole lot of work. Mm -hmm. So I like this. I like doing this case study because one, it was a subject to deal that we just talked about on yeah. a reverse mortgage, which is a little more creative. And then we borrowed the money from a substitution of collateral deal that uh, we did over a year ago. Yeah, yeah, way cool. Yeah. I love it. And that is very creative and you have no money into it. So, I mean, you have no risk on your part really. Um, and the return's infinite. If you're not putting any money into it, the return right. is infinite. So yep. your cash on cash return is infinite. <laughs> Well, and one of the things that I love about this, and I'm not too worried about my cash on cash, uh, but this was not really a wholesale deal, right? Where we couldn't get it to the point where it was going to make sense for our normal business model. And uh, we shifted a little bit and uh, now we're going to, uh, are you okay making thirty-five, dollars $40,000 on a flip? Absolutely. Yeah. Especially if it's a quick one like that. Yeah. I mean, it, that's really good. It, we're done in two weeks and uh, yeah, that's not my thing. That's not what I love to do, but I, I certainly don't mind when we've got to do some straightforward stuff. It's a newer house. I don't really have to worry too much about electrical plumbing, you know, foundation, that kind of stuff. Mm -hmm. So we, we don't have as many things that you know, we're going to dig into and find to be an issue. And it's really more cosmetic in the roof and yeah uh it's pretty straightforward i i like that kind of stuff yeah yep real clean um and especially with the house being 19 years old that's yeah that's that's awesome that's a great deal great deal i think um i love it and uh and i hope our listeners out there uh got some value from this and um I hope they're able to kind of think of some creative ways to put together similar deals wherever they're working. So yep. awesome, Jeff. Thanks for sharing that. Um, guys, we're going to wrap it up here. So uh, first of all, if you want to get a hold of us, uh, call us on our hotline and that number is 877-409-8090. Uh, also, if you're interested in Jeff's apprenticeship programs, um, you can call the hotline and just mention that you, you'd like to uh, get some more info on that. Um, again, that number is 877-409-8090. You can also text uh, Creative Financing or CFP um, to that number, and you'll receive a link for uh, special access to a step-by-step -step video that Jeff put together on um, how he structures creative 
how he structured creative financing on a single family home and then sold it to uh, an end buyer. Um, so again, just text the word creative financing or CFP to our hotline number to get that link. Um, you can find us on Facebook at the creative financing podcast. And um, we also have a YouTube, the creative financing show that we're continuing to work um, more on adding videos to. So uh, if you're watching us there, just be patient. They're coming. Um, let's see what else, anything else I missed here, Jeff? I don't think so. I, you know, one thing that I find really interesting, I've talked to a number of our listeners here in the last couple of weeks and they ask me these questions and I say, Hey, so have you gotten that free video that we're offering? And they're like, what free video? And I'm like, it says right here, um, that you don't even have to listen to the podcast. It says in the show notes, uh, yeah. what to do to text. I'm like, you need to check this out. Um, it, there's no obligation. It's free. And it's truly a video from start to finish exactly my thought process, how I'm analyzing a deal, how I'm putting together the offers and it's done on video. So you've got the visual, uh, everyone's feedback from it's been super good and uh, you've got to be it, everyone should be getting that that that's a no-brainer yeah for sure um so again text cfp or creative financing to 877-409-8090 okay guys uh hope you've enjoyed this um please 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 leave us uh, a review online wherever you get your podcast because that helps us uh, to get the word out really so that we can continue to um, give you guys valuable content. And I believe this is episode, I think this will be 82, Jeff, 82 or 83. Um, so you do something special for our hundredth episode. <clears throat> we, should. Yeah. we should maybe uh, do like a live event Q and a or something. Yeah, that's a good idea. That'd be cool. Yep. So yeah, we're coming up on that. That'd be that'd be cool to. It's kind of a milestone, right? Yeah, definitely. Hundred episode mark. So, guys, please continue to share this. Though um, we need your guys' feedback, and uh, if you guys want to hear anything specific um, on the show as it relates to creative financing, um, please call our hotline number, or you can um, you can DM me on uh, Facebook, uh, the Creative Financing Podcast. Um, our page there and so yeah hey, Jonathan, I can get the real, video real quick I, you know, we had a caller uh, you, you sent out an email I did uh, asking for people's you know questions and we had one person respond um, I can't think of his name off the top of my hand uh, maybe Tony, Tony um, yeah. so can I answer both his questions because I can do it in like 20 seconds yeah yeah so <laughs> If you let's see, I'm trying to pull that up right now. Yeah. So, so he asked two questions basically. One was, how do you find like attorneys and title companies to help you do creative financing? Okay. So, first of all, super easy. Um, get go to your local RIA, talk to people that are doing creative financing, find out who they're using. Okay. That easy. If you still can't find someone, go on Bigger Pockets and post uh, something about, hey, I'm in whatever state. 
I'm looking at finding a title company that works with creative financing, more specifically, whatever it is that you're trying to do, and people will respond to you. If you still don't go on Facebook and find some of the different groups, whether it's wholesaling houses full time, um, wholesaling houses daily, um, creative finance, um, Bill Bronchek has a Facebook group, um, all of those and ask the same question. I promise you, you will find some different places. And last resort, pick up a phone, start calling. And uh, it's pretty simple. Okay. Second question was, uh, how do I do creative financing to, for vacation rentals? Same thing. Uh, th- there's, there's no difference. Um, what I would tell you is I would base it on as a normal rental, um, knowing that maybe I can pad my numbers just a bit. But I, I'd always want to know that, Hey, if the vacation rental goes away, that you know we have a recession, people aren't using vacation rentals as much. Your city shuts down vacation rentals. That it would still work as a normal rental. Um, and if you got it at a good deal for a normal rental, and you were able to uh, Airbnb it or whatever it is that you're going to do, I mean, you're, you're going to make a, a ton of money. So. Very simple, same thing, no difference. Yeah, and that's great advice, Jeff, um, to treat, to, to run your numbers as if you're just gonna rent the property out monthly um, to, a, to a tenant because I know here in Salt Lake City, um, you can do Airbnbs, but if the city catches you, they'll shut you down. So yeah. if you're running your numbers, like you're gonna make 2000 or $2,500 a month on a property and you make an offer to a seller and your payment is, <laughs> you know, higher than what you could get in my market rents, you're going to get pinched there. If, uh, if you got, sh- if you got shut down there. When I would tell you, you know, my friend Joe McCall does something with lease options in terms of vacation rentals as well. And it wouldn't be a bad idea to just do a lease with the option and you're agreeing to a certain lease and you know, that you Airbnb it, do your vacation rental, bring in more than what that initial lease is. But now, hey, if things change, you don't have to exercise your option. Correct. <clears throat> Correct. Cool. Okay. Okay. Well, thanks for answering those questions, Jeff. Yeah, we should have done that at the beginning, but it doesn't matter. Yeah, I was I was going to try to put together like a whole episode on just answering people. I, I don't think it was a whole episode. I, you know, that we could answer those in two minutes. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Cool, guys. Until next time, go out there and create some terms. Thanks for listening to the Creative Financing Podcast. We need your feedback to continue to bring you the best strategies in creative financing. So please subscribe, rate, and review this show on iTunes or wherever you get your podcasts. We greatly appreciate your ear and please pass this on. Until next time, create some terms. This show offers general information on creative financing strategies and real estate investments. Nothing contained herein should be considered personal, legal, or financial advice. Every state has individual laws governing the use and type of documents used to execute strategies discussed herein. You should consult with a local licensed real estate broker and attorney before relying on any information contained herein. Information is not guaranteed, and opinions of the guests are their own. Profits are not guaranteed, and there's always inherent risk in real estate investing.